Okay. So one night I kept hearing these steps, these like these sounds like somebody was coming down the steps and I thought it was a pet of ours. And I would look in the hall and nothing would be there. And it would get to the point where it's going down and you hear it. And then it would stop right at the doorway, which was my room at the time. And so I was just like, I'm either imagining this or whatever. So I said, you don't scare me. I'm not afraid of you. And I just said it out loud. And I heard this and I went like, what did I just really hear that? And then I heard, ha, 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 and it just starts screaming at me. And it was just, it was all around me. And I started crying and I ran up the stairs. I went all the way up to my mom's bedroom. My dad was traveling at the time. And I was like, something is in the room. Something's in the room. I don't know what's going on. So I'm laughing and I just said, jokingly, if you want to ever hang out with me or you want to come by, like you need to knock on my door. You need to knock on my door. And because I was making coffee, I said, well, we'll have some coffee or we'll chat because I have a lot of questions for you. And then fast forward about 24 hours later that night, as I was going to bed again, I felt this urge to go outside. And when I went outside, there was this bright light across in between my two neighbors' houses and what I would say was a UFO, but it was way, it was still far off. I have video of it and everything else. It wasn't a Ouija board, but I was listening to audio books about aliens and extraterrestrials and visits. I didn't call it in, but they were curious about why I was listening. Now, granted, I'm like 10 years, 10 and a half years at this age, at this time, um, you know, and my sister's like, I'm this little kid trying to get out and he just blocks us. And so he starts asking questions like, what are your names? And the first thing I did was I lied and, you know, strangers, you don't really do that. And I said, well, my name's so-and-so and this is so-and-so. My friend goes, nah, Nicole, you don't lie to adults and starts. And so he gets really angry and he starts to step forward. And I have my sister on my hip and I'm kind of as much as possible trying to block. And he's like, well, what, what are her eye color? Like things to try and get closer to her. And at that moment, my mom goes, girls, it's time to come home. And she calls from the house and she said that she was home and she saw this vision of my sister crying with blood all over her face. And she shook it off. Like, why are you thinking that? And then as she kept trying to shake it, she kept getting and getting, getting it. And when she saw the man at the the window, she didn't want to say our names. So that's why she said girls. And the minute he saw my mom, he jumped in the car and they took off. And hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm excited to introduce today's guest, which is a psychic for the channel, which we all love, as we know. So welcome, Nicole Bigley. Um, I'm super excited to have you on the channel today. Nicole is the founder of the US's number four spiritual po podcast with millions of downloads, I'm understood. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Jen and Victoria. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, we're excited too. to have you on. We've been watching your other podcasts and I've got to say your unique birth story is how we had to start this because I think a lot of people watching might be a little bit skeptical and they might become believers after this. <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess I'll just jump straight into that. So I was about four years old. And, you know, when you're younger, you don't really know exactly your age or keep track of that. But I remember my dad was tucking me into bed one night and he was all into at that point reincarnation and past lives or alternate lives as we would talk about it. And I just remember him him saying something like, you know, you when we come here, we we pick who our soul family is or who our family is going to be. And which are very big words for a child, let alone if you're four or five. And I just remember saying to him, oh yeah, uh-huh, I know which he wasn't prompting me with anything as far as the experience other than he's made that that mention. And I was just flooded with these memories. It was almost as I was already still there, quite frankly, of being what I would call space. It was kind of the universe uh, for the most part. It was I was nowhere and everywhere at once. And I remember I didn't have this physical feeling of having a body. And I was kind of looking down at multiple types of planets. And now what I would know is earth, obviously, as being an adult and just seeing this little girl playing outside in a yard. And I saw her then pick up, she left some dolls outside and she ran into the house. And I said to myself or so, I thought her, I want her to be my mom. And then I heard this voice say, 
it's not time yet because I kind of went to step forward again. I didn't have a physical body, but as I would say, move forward. And I got really disappointed, like, oh man. And then right when I went to turn around by that point, which was a nanosecond, I heard it's time and I'm just flooding or, you know, there's this flash of me heading down to earth. And then the next thing I remember, um, I don't have a lot of memories necessarily of being in the womb, but I do remember actually being born. And the next thing was I was coming out, I'll save all the graphic kind of content for uh, your, your listeners or your viewers here. But as I came out, I remember just being blinded by this flashing light, being really, really cold and just screaming and crying all of a sudden when I took my first breath. But the first actual thought I had was, oh my God, I'm here again. Like it was just this overwhelming because I felt the density, the physicalness of the body. Just it was almost kind of like this, not regret, but what did I do? <laughs> Why am I here again? And of course, I'm not saying this in all these words to my dad. I'm four years old, but the look on his face, I'll never forget it. And so then the next morning, as I'm, my mom's making me breakfast, she's like, so your dad said that you had an interesting you know, story for, for him. And I just relayed the exact same thing to her. So that was kind of my first memory and why I say to people, I feel more connected, whatever you want to call it, God, universe, source, just that we're all connected, this physical body that we have is not the only thing that we have. And that allowed me as a child and growing up to keep that connection going. Do you, most children have that experience or do you think that's unique to yourself? I think that a lot of children probably do and can have those memories, but over time, one, if we don't ask as adults what kind of memories they have, or two, if it's not something we talk about, we kind of forget it. You know, I forgot most of the stuff I learned in school, you know, and that was hammered into me. And it's not until maybe later I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this, this, and this, and this. And so I know that that's not exactly the same thing, but there are these memories or these experiences that if we're not discussing them and our brains are being formed, our experiences as, as humans here psychologically and emotionally as we get older. So if you're not having those normal, natural, what I call normal, natural conversations, you're going to kind of forget, you know? So I do think that children have that ability to recall things that happened before they have this lifetime. And it's just a matter of us maybe staying open and uh, allowing them, not planting seeds of, well, what about this? But asking the questions, I think we'd be surprised at how much we would learn from children nowadays. See, I gave birth four months ago nearly, and I'm now thinking it's got me thinking. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's Ziggy remembering from that mm -hmm. horrific experience? So bless. But no, that that is interesting. Going from uh, talk, talking about coming into this world and feeling like you've come back again, do you think then you had a past lives? Do you believe in reincarnation? Yes. So I absolutely believe in past lives. But what I've started to kind of learn or understand is I call them more alternative lives. Um, or sorry, not alternative, alternate lives, because we don't really have past or future. Um, time's not linear. So I think we live these lives simultaneously, which still hurts my brain, honestly, to think about it. But that is why children or even ourselves as we grow older, I think have certain either phobias or we just feel certain things resonate to to us and we're not necessarily sure why and we gravitate to those to those things because we're actually having those additional lifetimes that we're experiencing it we just might not be able to correlate or understand why we're having a draw to something well, when I was younger with my sister, so this is when she got a little, so I was a, probably a teenager in high school. We had this book. I wish I could recall the name of it, but we would put each other under these past life regressions. And what was really interesting about them is that she would, you know, go under and she would, we didn't really ask at the time for us to verbalize them. We just kind of put under and then let us experience it. And I would do the same thing. And we had almost exact same experiences once we then started to share. One of them was definitely Atlantis. It's not Atlantis the way we think about it. Um, Atlantis was, if for, for viewers or listeners of your you know channel, is that it was this ancient civilization. I think it was probably more an advanced civilization. 
maybe it was even future state, not necessarily past state. So we were getting it a little confused, but that was definitely one. The other thing that I, um, through that, when I did this past life regression is I remember I was well, actually before the past life regression, I remember sitting in my parents' living room and there was some sort of channel on, I don't know if it was like the BBC or PBS or whatever, but they were talking about Egypt and they were showing the, um, the pyramids and the Sphinx. And I remember saying, I, I saw it in my mind's eye, which again, as a child, you're not really thinking about calling it your mind's eye. But I said, there's a tomb underneath. There's a room underneath the Sphinx's feet. And then about five, 10 seconds later, the host goes, and through sonar and radar, there is a tomb underneath the Sphinx's feet. So I say that because I was shown that in a past life, there was a group of people that went to other civilizations to kind of share knowledge. And so it was Atlantis and then Egypt. I actually had the pleasure of going to Egypt back in 2012, I believe it was. And it was just just such this, I've been here before. I There were so many memories and things that were popping up. So those were two definite past life experiences that I had. And then there was one, which I'm not going to get into all the details, but where I was like, why don't I want to get married? And I just had a life where I you know, was betrothed to someone and it was just this loveless marriage. And so in this lifetime, I'm like, yep, nope, I'm good. I'm not getting married. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my experience. But but as a child, I remember like telling my parents and my aunts and uncles and my grandparents, I'm never getting married. I'm never getting married in this lifetime. And they'd say, no, you are. You're going to change your mind when you get older. No, 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 no. And then through past life regression or alternate life regression, I, found, I figured out the correlation. I'm like, oh, it's because of that. So I know why, which is helpful. But yeah, those are a few of them. Why, why do you think then that you have to come back? So I know I believe, well, I've, I've heard there's seven planes of existence um, and there's a book, it's a really good book. Um, I can't remember the author, but it explains these different planes and why do we choose to come back to earth um, if we didn't like it before? <laughs> yeah, great question. I think it's about, so the way I think, I think about it is that if you, I'll just use God. Uh, it, I don't think of God as like on a throne and that it's a sentient being and it's what we think it is. I think God is our life force and our life essence and that energy that which we come and which we go back to. And that God energy or universal energy is not something that experiences life or experiences emotions or experiences things. So as souls, it's like we're able to be fractioned off or fragmented off to have these experiences, to learn, to grow, to just live essentially. And through that, that's what change and growth comes from. So from what I've been shown and people call like earth a school and everything, and, and that's fine if that's what you believe. But I think we come here ultimately to experience truly, whether it's a lesson or whether it's lifetimes. And so when we come here, we all have different purposes and goals of what we want to accomplish. Some people, their soul is, I want to experience and grow my own soul. Others, it may be to collectively help humanity or what have you. And so it, you, there is reincarnation thought and perspective of if you don't learn a lesson, then you're coming back to learn those things again. And that may be what you know some people believe and prescribe to, but I think it's more about the greater good and the greater existence. And also, you know, I've heard also so that there's a waiting list to come here on earth. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we think that maybe heaven on earth or hell on earth. I don't know. But yes, there's a waiting list. And so earth is one of those planes of existence that when we come here, we learn a lot. It's essentially we get our master's degree, we get our PhD, and you can kind of step over all of these other experiences and learn more and grow more by just being here on earth. So I think that's one of the reasons. But also, yeah, if you have something that you haven't learned before, you may repeat over and over again, but it doesn't necessarily have to be here on earth necessarily. And which begs the question why people take their life for granted sometimes, doesn't mm -hmm, it? Mm -hmm. So, so let's talk about your relationship with spirit and where did that start? Well, when I was younger again, so this would probably have been after my dad was asking me about 
you know, well, he didn't really say, he just said, we choose our soul family. And I had that memory. I remember playing in my room and kind of just feeling that something else was present. It didn't feel scary to me. It didn't feel overwhelming. It didn't feel like a human essentially, I guess is the best way to describe it. If people who have pets out there, you know, if even if you can't see or hear your pet, you can kind of just feel the energy of your pet around, you know, that that it's kind of like that. It was a presence energetically. And I just at first was thinking, okay, what is this? And just in my head. Now, I think I was probably around five at this point or at this age. And I started eventually asking questions because the presence just felt very large to me, like just so big that it's hard to kind of put into words. And so I finally in my head said, who are you? What are you? And I just heard the word or the name Michael. And so I thought of Michael more as my quote unquote imaginary friend. I didn't think of Michael as anything like ghostly or angelic or anything like that. And it wasn't until I started to get older and learn more about angels and other beings and extraterrestrials and all of that, where I started to like, ding, ding, ding. I think this is Archangel Michael. So intuitively I asked more questions and then got the validation and the confirmation that this was angelic. And so Michael being Archangel Michael and very lucky to have him by my side, but that was really what started this lifelong connection with the angelic realm and having him be more of a teacher for me when it was relating to psychic intuitive and the spiritual. So when you um, when you had the spirit guide with you, did you were, you were you then aware that you had a gift, or how long was it? How long did it take for you? To I thought everybody it? could. I really thought everybody could. I didn't understand. It was one of those things where I was like, "Huh, okay, cool." Just whether it was, I thought everybody had memories of coming to Earth. I thought everyone had the this innate sense of knowing and just intuitive abilities. And I still do think that. I think we all absolutely do. It's just we may not necessarily know how to tap into it or use it or we're taught over time. My parents never taught me necessarily, but they also didn't dissuade me. So I think that was a big thing. And then also with both my parents, um, my mom's uh, parents and, and aunts and uncles and my dad's, it was just one of those, we talked about it within the family, but they never really said, hey, talk about it externally. So it wasn't until I got older, probably into more like middle school, where you do start to have more friends, you're going out, you're being social, you're having that the school kind of activities where my parents and my family were like, we don't talk about this outside of our family because people are going to think you're really weird. And then I was like, what do you mean? We talk about it as a family and this is a part of our lives. And I, that's when I thought, or I guess I should say it clued into me that not everybody has these experiences. Did you ever have an experience where you did tell someone and they had, it had a negative result? Uh, I would say, yeah. Well, first it was definitely ingrained in me. Don't talk about it outside. So I just kind of went with that. Uh, but I would say it was more with friends. Um, I didn't have, I had friends and then I wouldn't have friends. We did move around a lot. So that was a part of it. But ultimately you, I would say things to children as I was getting older and like, yeah, you're weird or no, there's, I don't understand what you're talking about. But also what was really interesting through that is I found that there were children like me that did still also have those experiences so we could kind of talk about it. But yeah, you learned really, or I learned really quickly rather that that's not the case and that's not normal. There was one teacher in particular where um, I don't think she ever did anything about it, but she's like, Nicole, stop lying, stop making things up. You're imagining things, whatever, whatever. So you just start to shut down with whether they're adults or they're other children of your age and you know pretty quickly especially for me using my intuition, I could tell right away as, as I got older who would be open, who wouldn't be open to those sorts of things. So I would just keep my mouth shut. I mean, there's got to be a lot of skeptics out there. And mm -hmm. um, my partner is one of them, actually. And well, I think he's he's sort of on the on the fence there. He sort of believes but never seen anything. So therefore, it doesn't exist because it's not uh, scientifically proven, I guess. Um, but when he heard your story, your Ouija board story from a previous podcast, the hair was standing up on both of our arms. And yeah. I mean, we've got to open with that one. If you could obviously tell the viewers that story, I think everyone might be a believer after this. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, before I get to that, I do want to kind of just mention that when I was younger, like around that, there was one moment where I recall walking down the sidewalk and just looking at my body going, oh my gosh, I'm a human. I have this physical body. So I was having these moments throughout my life, not before the Ouija board, where I was still questioning the existence of things. I was still questioning like, what about God? God doesn't feel like God's the way that these adults are telling me. Um, angels don't feel the way that these adults are telling me or these things that I'm learning. So I was constantly questioning and a healthy skeptic as I was even getting older. And one of them was, well, if there's good, there's got to be bad. Or if there's good, there's got to be evil. But I never had necessarily at that time, knock on wood, like a, a bad experience. And so we, my, my mom, my dad, my sister and I were in this, this townhouse and we were renting at the time because, again, we moved quite a bit. And I, my parents had gotten this Ouija board for friends. It was like through one of those game, you know, those gaming, what was it? Like Harper? Who are the ones that would make all the games? Whatever. It doesn't matter. They got it at like, yeah, Hasbro. Thank you. Like they got at a, you know, a store or whatever and brought it home and they played with it once, I think with their friends and then they just discarded it. So of course I'm like, Ooh, I can play with this. So I think at that point I was about 10 or maybe 10 and my friends and I were playing. Nothing ever happened. Like, you know, you'd ask the questions, no one's moving the thing, the board's not moving, wasn't whatever. And so we put it away and I was actually in the basement. So the way that the room was set up is that you would go down the stairs and there was this heavily padded carpet in the hallway. And then at the very end of the hallway, it was essentially kind of like a family room or a den, but that was where my room was set up. But the carpet changed. And so it went from heavily padded to very thin. And um, I kept feeling kind of when I was younger, having a presence or that energetic sense that something was around. Same thing, but it wasn't a good feeling. It was just this almost somebody's watching me type of thing. And it got to the point where every night I would stay up and I couldn't fall asleep and I would stay up until I was so exhausted. I had no choice but to fall asleep. And my dad kind of noticed that I wasn't sleeping and stuff. And so he's like, what's going on? And I was like, I just feel like weird that something's in my room, something's happening. And he's, and he mentioned, he's like, you know, nothing can harm you. Nothing. We have free will. We have free choice. And it's only things like that, whether it's a bad spirit or whatever, he didn't use the word demon or anything. He just said they feed off of fear and they feed off of all of those things. And he's like, but if you are strong and you're not fearful, like you're protected, like they can't harm you. So I was like, okay. So one night I kept hearing these steps, these like these sounds like somebody was coming down the steps and I thought it was a pet of ours. And I would look in the hall and nothing would be there. And it would get to the point where it's going down and you hear it. And then it would stop right at the doorway, which was my room at the time. And so I was just like, I'm either imagining this or whatever. So I said, you don't scare me. I'm not afraid of you. And I just said it out loud. And I heard this and I went like, what did I just really hear that? And then I heard, ha, 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 and it just starts screaming at me. And it was just, it was all around me. And I started crying and I ran up the stairs. I went all the way up to my mom's bedroom. My dad was traveling at the time. And I was like, something is in the room. Something's in the room. I don't know what's going on. And she goes, I don't even know where she got this, but she got a rake. Like, I don't know how that's going to protect us, whether from an intruder or from anything that's uh, not of this world. But as we were going down the stairs, it because it was in the basement, you could just see our breath change. And so that was my first experience. I never, ever, after that, experienced the sound of that or felt like something was watching me anymore. I don't honestly even remember what we did to clear it. But there were always things that happened in that house. Doors would open. My sister, who was young at the time, would be like, hi, and like watch something walking by. So definitely the place was haunted for sure. But that was my first experience, which I think wholeheartedly it was probably a demon. So yes, it was a demon called George, by my understanding. So you well, it was a, we called him George. We thought it was a ghost, and for a long time, which is also what I don't recommend, is when you don't know what something is. We just thought it was a ghost, like opening the doors and all that. So we're like George, hi, 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 hi. That just gives it power. It just gives it existence. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I experienced that laughter. Now it could have been multiple things. Again, I'm ten, so I don't know really what was going on in that house or that home at the time before even we moved in. But somebody did pass away we found out afterwards but um you give it energy you give it space i will tell you that was not a ghost what i experienced was so on the level i could just feel it it was definitely beyond ghostly 
why do you think an entity is cold when it comes around you? And also, do you think that maybe if it's moving objects, is it possibly a poltergeist? Poltergeist could be, but this was different because the doors would open and close and my sister would go high. And, and actually, she was about nine months or 10 months at the time. Um, so that's why we thought it was more of a ghost. And we were just, we would laugh about it because we were uncomfortable. Again, we didn't know necessarily how to deal with it. So I don't think it was a poltergeist. Poltergeists are more, they tend to also be um, related to people who have psychic or psychokinesis abilities. And when you're going into your teenagers, that's not always the case. But from my understanding, when you are entering like of age and you're experiencing those things, you can move things around. We only experienced doors or sounds of almost like somebody was there and like moving around, which is why we thought it was like a ghost. But to answer your question about why something like that or an entity was around me, I think at that time I was reading a lot. Well, one, I used the Ouija board first and foremost, and I was open and I was like, what's going on? I was looking into extraterrestrials. I was looking into ghosts. I was reading all kinds of books about it. And so then energetically, those are going to be a I, I believe that souls and beings are attracted to those who are curious and open and that came through. And that's was my experience. I learned a lot about protection and grounding myself. And from there, not just being willy nilly about it when I was doing things, but that definitely was something that I will never forget. And what to me proved, and I know people can be skeptical about, oh, Nicole, it was in your head or you made this up. It wasn't just one laugh. This was just something that could, it was almost like as I got more fearful, it got louder, it got stronger. It was just this, I could feel it. I'll never forget it. And yeah, that's why you can't tell me that they don't exist. Because I think if you believe in one, you, you kind of have to believe in the other. I mean, that is a goddamn creepy story if I've ever heard one. <laughs> and, and what's baffling my mind now is like, you used to be able to buy Ouija boards right? Mm -hmm. in, in toy shops for children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you still can. Oh, no. People even make them. I know. And here's the thing. I don't think that they're inherently bad. I mean, you can use tarot cards, you can use Oracle cards, you can, but usually when people have an Ouija board, the Ouija board is the intent to speak with the dead or it's to open a door to the other side and you can do it safely but you also don't, if you don't do the practice, it was like, I remember the instructions. It's like, set out the board, put the thing there, have a group. There was never about, say some prayers, <laughs> you know, ask well, for protection. Yeah. Like, it was just like, here you go. You just open up the door. And so when you open up the door, you don't know what you're going to get or who you're in or what you're inviting in. And so, yeah, it was just, and my mind looking back and even now I'm like, uh, there was a little bit of responsibility that needed to happen here, but didn't. So you said that was your first ghoulish ghostly experience what was your second well i really didn't have more after that you'd think oh then this chick had a bunch but i really learned i mean i, I the part i didn't say is i just inherently or intuitively knew to put the sign of the cross behind me. And I was like, Michael, 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 Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Not because I'm super religious then or then then or now, but I just knew and afterwards, again, I have to ask my mom about this, but I think we cleared it. We did all these other things and I didn't have any really other experiences with a ghost or with a demon or anything. It wasn't until literally, I think about a year and a half ago where I sensed another energetic presence. And this one was actually in my bedroom. And as I was sleeping, well, to, the backstory is I was working on my book, looking for angels. And one of the things I wanted to research and understand was, do I include aliens or extraterrestrials in this book? Because some people, if you believe in angels, they'll say, oh, well, they're just beings from another world. They're not angelic or what have you. And so I was doing a lot of research with um, Doris Cannon and all of that and listening to those books, but not really deciding at the end of the day to include them in the book. And so that night I chose not to listen to the audiobook, one of them of hers, and I just felt this presence in my room. And I was doing my, what I do now, are you angelic? Are you someone from the other side, uh, a loved one, somebody else that I don't know, that sort of thing. And I kept getting no, 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 no. And it felt odd. I was like, and so then I'm like, are you an evil entity? Are you a demon? And I was getting no on all of them. And then the next thing I realized, I was like, I think this is extraterrestrial. And so I jumped up out of my bed and I looked at what 
should have been something standing there and there wasn't, of course. And I just said, you do not have permission to be here. You can't be here. And so then the following morning, of course, I'm making my coffee and I'm like, I was in my head. Like, I'm just, I made this up. Like, I just freaked myself out somehow. That didn't happen. So I'm laughing and I just said, jokingly, if you want to ever hang out with me or you want to come by, like you need to knock on my door. You need to knock on my door. And because I was making coffee, I said, well, we'll have some coffee or we'll chat because I have a lot of questions for you. And then fast forward about 24 hours later that night, as I was going to bed again, I felt this urge to go outside. And when I went outside, there was this bright light across in between my two neighbors' houses and what I would say was a UFO, but it was way, it was still far off. I have video of it and everything else. And I tracked it for hours. Like it never moved. So it wasn't, and I I have one of those apps where you can see if it's like, you know, a drone or if it's one of those satellites or something. It wasn't that. And it wasn't a star because it didn't move throughout the sky for several hours. And then on retrospect, I realized they didn't knock on the door during broad daylight. They didn't ask for a cup of coffee. We didn't sit down and have a talk, but that I said on my front door and it was literally outside my front door in between the two houses. So that was one where, again, it wasn't ghostly or demonic, but it was more about, um, you know, a bean to show me. And what's interesting is, again, wasn't a Ouija board, but I was listening to audio books about aliens and extraterrestrials and visits. I didn't call it in, but they were curious about why I was listening. You would say then you can contact either aliens or spirits. So would that would that bring into bring you to be a psychic medium, or would you be a just an intuitive psychic, or both? So. Yeah. So I think again, that we all are psychic. We're all intuitive. I look at our intuition. I know a lot of people are like, I'm not, I don't, I can't do any of this. But if you think about our physical abilities, just like we can see, hear, feel physically, feel emotionally, we have a mirror in terms of our intuition. And so in that respect, that's essentially psychic. That's our intuitive you know, gifts and abilities that is truly part of our DNA. When somebody says that they're a medium, to your point, that is about whether you can connect with souls who have crossed over. For me, it's always been more angelic and and who I choose to communicate with. I don't, I haven't since that one episode or instance ever had any extraterrestrial that I know of experiences or that I can remember. Um, so, but I do think that it's all about intention. So if you want to connect with a loved one, if you want to connect with your angels, if you want to connect with that, whatever, it's about focus and opening yourself up. And so in that respect, yes. I also tell people I'm not a medium. So I really, I have a full-time job. I don't do this as as my full-time job. But if people do have sessions with me, um, I'm very clear that I'm not a medium. I don't have people on the other side lined up to talk to me. I ask my spirit team, my angels and guides to basically be blockers of that and and bodyguards because, again, I don't do this full-time, but also it's just exhausting. (laughs) I talk to people all day long. Um, and everything else. But yeah, I do think that if somebody's interested, you can absolutely, you know, strengthen and work on and practice your intuitive abilities to do all of the above. And this seems like the perfect time to plug your book, which is Nicole Bigley's book. Yep. Looking for Angels, a guide to understanding and connecting with angels. Now, can you delve deep into what angels are, please, for people who, I mean, I'm, I'm an avid believer, Arch- Archangel Michael, I was going to say Archangel, um, Archangel Michael and Archangel Raphael as well are the ones I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, what does this book bring? How many different angels are there? Um, how do they work? I've got so many questions surrounding that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so before I get to that, just very quickly, the way I came around this book is that the my co-author, Dr. Scott Guerin, he had written about angels and he's a psychologist and has a PhD, but he wrote about angels and psychology, religion, and science. So for the skeptics out there, it's all about taking a lens and a view of what do they mean in each of these kind of modalities or these industries and how do we psychic psychologically think about them, interact with them and all of the things. And then scientifically, and just like, and I know he's not with us, but as far as uh, just like, there's no proof that they exist. There's also proof, no proof that they don't exist. Number one. And number two, I also don't want to underscore that I do believe in God or universal source. I don't believe in God as far as like the God that we, for most religions think about it, but that's because of my memories and, and what I inherently have have come to experience. Okay. And as far as angels and the 
the way that Michael in particular, because he is one of my spirit guides and on my team, has explained to me is that they are, archangels in particular, have never incarnated here on earth. So they haven't had human experiences. There, if you think about universal source or life energy, it's like with these sparks, like things that have grown from it. And angels are one, our souls are human souls are another, all of that. And so they're just one kind of species or being essentially. But because they haven't reincarnated or incarnated here, they don't have those human experiences. At the same time, they're able to help us. They bridge that gap between heaven or God or whatever that is and help us remind ourselves of that which, which we came. And they're really meant to be that bridge. Ideally, it's that we go within and we learn on our own without them. We don't necessarily need them, but they're here to support us. Now, you can look in all kinds of religion, which I'm not going to get into, and there's anywhere between the, the main three, the main five, all of that. But the, in the book that I write about, there's 12 archangels. And the reason I write about them in such detail is because they said it's important for people to understand that there are specialties. So just like you go to a certain doctor that may be specific in cardiology or one that's a nosier and throat, they're they're still a doctor, but they're specialties. And so Michael, obviously for protection, Raphael tends to be for healing, works with a lot of light workers. You have Raziel, who is another archangel who deals with um, helping to bring messenger messages to um, you know all your loved ones, and so the purpose of it is by looking at this and understanding them better, then you can ask how they can help you in certain aspects or ways of your life. Now, the book also talks about ascended masters, so think of Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Jesus Christ, people who have lived here but they've ascended to a certain point. Same thing. They usually have a specialty. But yeah, the point is that um, usually archangels tend to be the ones, I call them the heavy hitters that support us and guide us. You also have your guardian angels. Those are angels that have contracted before you came here on earth. So like Jen, you had at least one, two, or three, the guardian angels that said, I've lived with you multiple lives, alternate lives essentially, and I want to help you. And you're like, great, you did a great job. I want to continue to work with you. You gave them permission, so they're constantly going to be by your side helping you. Victoria, same thing with you. And so those kind of, again, they're here to help and support and guide us, but a different type of role as far as being part of our spirit team. So that very high level is is how they work. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, did you just sense that we had angels or was that? Everybody has angels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, and I can. Can you see the angels around us or can you see our auras? Can you tell if we're gifted? Yeah. So what I, the way that, um, and I'm closing my eyes because it's when, as soon as you do information comes in and my eyes start to flutter, but um, the way that I, my spirit team helps me is when I'm looking at you, Victoria, for example, like over my right shoulder, your left. I see lights in my mind's eye that are archangels. And then next to that is ascended masters directly behind you in like a line would be your guardian angels. And then over on your other shoulder on your right, which is my left are your loved ones. And the same thing with Jen, that's not where they stand all the time. It's just where I can help to start to distinguish and see who's what. And then yes. Um, So I can, through that, communicate and see. It's also what happens is they step forward more, meaning um, a light will be either brighter or I see certain ones step forward and then other ones take a step back. And that's because of what somebody's going through in their life. So um, as I'm I'm not tuning into your energy right now because I haven't had permission and we haven't gone there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, well, so for you, Jen, I, um, as I was saying about the, you know, archangels, ascended messers and guardian angels. As soon as I said guardian angels, I heard she has three. So that's why I said most people have one, two or three. Uh, You can have more, but usually, and then, so you definitely have three. And then to get further confirmation, I'll look in my mind's eye and then I can see three light beings standing directly behind you, which again is your guardian angels. So people will say, okay, well then what are their names? And I like to tell people most guardian angels don't have names because they aren't necessarily, we haven't been communicating with them. So we're not necessarily, oh, you're Joe, you're Samantha, you're, you know, Celeste, whatever. But if we want and we want to have names associated with them, we can either give them or then they can give them to us. Or in some rare cases, 
our guardian angels can be loved ones. So our loved ones are usually always with us on our spirit team, but because they are human and not necessarily angelic and celestial, there's still egos attached to it. They guide us. It's a little different, but some people who cross over, whether it's a grandmother or a loved one takes it very seriously, or they've been in a spiritual level where they step into that role. And so I just say that because I feel like you have at least one of your three guardian angels um, is family related, but it's not someone who like you knew where you had a, a like a strong relationship with. It might have been like where you, if they had still lived, you would have had a very close bond. And the reason I'm getting that is because I feel one of your angels is very human. Um, and they're showing me like your family and like your extended family and going out like this. So you definitely have three guardian angels. Now, Victoria, um, you, <laughs> she's like, what she's got a devil me? on her shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what's interesting when you asked like, oh, I'm open and you kind of certainly gave me that permission. I saw five, but they were in the line like this behind you. And it's like, and it was very important that they were like one, two, three, four, five. And then I saw two in particular step forward and three step back. Remember when I said about the importance of that? And so I asked them why them being your spirit team. And by the way, you have more than this. I'm just giving you what's coming through is that they said um, she's been going through some significant changes in her life where she needs to make some big decisions. And so we have, whether that's career and or career and personal, which I feel like there's a little bit of both kind of going on. So to step forward to say, hey, we're really here to help you um, and tap in, use us, that sort of thing in terms of the career and then one's career and one's personal. And so that's all they're giving me right now. And we can talk offline or we can share a little bit more in the episode. But yeah, they're like, she's got some big decisions she's got to make. And so that's the, that was the line of, to me, spiritually, they show me like somebody's moving forward or moving behind on some things. So I don't know if that's resonating, but that's what I'm getting. Uh, from are, they, are, they are they ancestors or are they just angels? Well, so for you, the ones that the two that step forward, they're definitely what I would call heavy hitters. They feel more angelic, archangel, ascended masters, because when we have big decisions to make, those are the ones that come forward for wow. us. Like I need more protection or I need more encouragement or I need more resolve to make these decisions. And I can tell I'm already getting chills like there, which is my guides and angels giving me confirmation of something that means that there's a bigger decision. It's not just like, Oh, do I need to like, you know, go to the grocery store next weekend? This is like big decisions type of thing. But yeah. Oh, wow. Thanks for that. Oh, very interesting. But you, but you know what cool. it is, but you know what it is. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, that's why I said we can talk offline. I don't want to air all your laundry. Yeah, yeah I don't want to no, air all your laundry brilliant. on here. But yeah. No, so. no. <laughs> if only we were on a line. Yeah. <laughs> so how would someone go about working? Like, what would your advice be to someone who wants to work with angels on a daily basis? Yeah. I always find myself saying, um, particularly if I'm a little bit stressed, or I'm kind of looking for the answer and saying, okay, I'll call upon my angels or higher power. Please just show me a sign or please guide me in the right direction. Am I doing the right thing doing that? Yeah. Or is there a different but, way? Of no, that's literally, so it is actually very easy is what I say to people. But the caveat to that is to understand your intuition. So I know I went through it very quickly before, but it's really about you being open that, yes, I have intuitive abilities. Now the question is, how am I intuitive? So are you more of an emotional person? Do you learn more visually? Do you not have, I didn't realize this until a few years ago, but like not everyone can visualize things. So if I say to somebody, think of an apple and you can visualize an apple, then you are a visual learner and you have that ability, but not everybody can do that. So I'm like, well, how then do they visualize an apple? And it's more about the description. Same thing. Not everybody has an internal dialogue. So, you know, I talk to myself all the time, like, well, should I do this? Should I do that? And then I have conversations. Not everyone has that ability either. All of those things are your natural way of communicating, of thinking, of just living in this world. But that is also how your intuition is going to show up. So if you know that, when you then ask the question of, all right, guides and angels, um, I want to be open and I want to communicate with you for my best and highest good and love and light. And here, here's the things. Then if you don't know how they're going to communicate with you through your intuition, then it can be harder sometimes to see those signs. That's why people usually gravitate to repeating numbers or 
animal guide or feathers or coins because that's something tangible that people see and that's all well and good. And you can absolutely ask for those things or ask for specific signs to show up, but they also communicate with us through the emotions of us. If we're all really happy and then we feel even more joyful all of a sudden, there's nothing that happened that really made us even more excited or joyful, then that's probably going to be a loved one or an angel or someone trying to get our attention. Again, if we're more emotional and empathetic in that respect. So that's how I suggest it. And then it's also about just making sure you don't set it and then do it once and then forget. It's about the practice of it. So maybe doing it daily, but yet set it and release it without any expectation. Be open to seeing what's happening around you. And then I also say if there's a doubt and you're like, yeah, that was just my mind or that was just my thought. It wasn't really a message. Just being in in gratitude that you have that moment of doubt dissipates it. And then you can say, all right, well, I'm not really clear on what that message is, or I know I'm having some doubt. Can you just help me understand or be a little bit more open next time? And then that's what amplifies the energy and strengthens it. So it's a little bit of, you know, just practicing. So going with what was just said then, what is your opinion on manifestation? I think manifestation, I think we've been doing it wrong for a long time. And that is, it's not just about writing down things that we want and then visualizing it. What it's about is feeling it. So I use the example one time, it was hard for me to explain to a client because she wasn't necessarily getting it. So I asked my spirit team, I was like, okay, I'll use abundance as the example. Let's say you are like, I'm worried about bills. I don't know how things are going to, how I'm going to pay them and everything else. Well, your mind in terms of manifesting may be like, I need a better paying job or I need to win the lottery. And we're not thinking necessarily that the universe is infinite and can bring multiple things to us in the way that our human brains can perceive or conceptualize. So you need to think about, or in this instance, I suggested, and, and my guides angel said this for manifestation is how we feel is what attracts. How we feel is what manifests. Our energy is the actual, think about it, a thought is a thought, and then we verbalize and it starts to manifest. But really what it is, is the energy behind it, the emotion that helps bring that out and vibrate out from us. So then if you think about not the lottery and the end goal of how am I going to get there, but how does that make me feel? Well, I'm going to feel free. I'm going to feel like I'm not stressed. I'm going to have these feelings of peace and just you know, happiness and calmness from all of these things. If we feel that and then say, yes, that is what I want. That's the feeling. That's the experience. Now, however, the universe wants to bring that to me for my best and highest good, then that's what that ripple effect is. That's what the manifestation and the law of, of, of attraction is. Isn't it the universe as well gives you what you need, not what you want? Um, and has that got a lot to do with tapping into nature as well? Do you have days where you want you just tap into nature, go for walks in the park and hug a tree. Sort of let go? Yeah, hug, hug a tree. A tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that those are all really more grounding. So as human beings, we've just been secluded in our homes. We're on our phones. We're doing all those other things. And we weren't meant to be like so secluded. We were meant to be more community driven with each other, but also with nature. I mean, that's how we, you know, originally were living. And so when we are in nature and we're doing all of those other things, we're going back to a sense of self. We're going back to a way of life that is more natural for us and is more in our ability to connect with earth and connect with those energies that help us receive and vice versa. It's not just a, a take, it's a give and a take. So we become more grounded, we become more present, we become more aligned when we're in those types of things. But yes, it is definitely the more we can be in nature, we can do those things helps us for all, all the reasons. Now let's get on to your experience with spirit that actually saved your sister's life. Yes. So this was actually the same kind of creepy townhouse. <laughs> it wasn't uh, so essentially, yeah, a lot of stuff happened around that place. But anyway, just so that you can kind of get a visual, the townhouse was on the edge of a neighborhood and it bumped up to another neighborhood. So the playground that was next to this townhouse was technically not within the neighborhood. So what they did was they built this fence around it and you weren't able to get to the playground except for one entrance and exit on the other side of the neighborhood that we bumped up into. 
So my mom was like, you know, you guys can go out. I was with a friend, my sister at the time. Um, I'm terrible with ages, but I would say she was almost about a year old. Um, and my sister that is, and my friend and I were decided we were going to go to the playground. Now you could see this playground from multiple areas of my parents' townhouse. And my mom decided she was going to do some things around the house. And so she could keep an eye on us while we were there. So we had to walk all the way around and go into this thing. So it was just this whole production to even get there, even though it was close by to the house. And the moment I got there was this beautiful day. It was sunny. I mean, it was just so gorgeous. And I put my sister on one of those like, you know, swings that you can like sit on with the little legs. And as soon as I got there, I just got this really weird feeling and this really weird vibe. And there was no one around. It was my friend, my sister, and that and me and that was it and then i heard very loudly get out get out now and it was so loud that it sounded as if there was a person sitting next to me but it was impossible because we were outside and so i look around and there's no one around obviously and i just had this also this urgency of i had to get out so i picked up my sister and i said to my friend we gotta go we gotta go and she's like, we just got here. And she's really annoyed. And then the minute I started walking towards the entrance and the exit to the park, this car comes and turns the corner from the front of the other neighborhood. And there's this woman driving. The car was just a, a mess. And it was like, you know, like one of those really bad cars that just need a lot of work. And this man gets out of the passenger side. And as I'm trying to walk with my sister, now granted, I'm like 10 years, 10 and a half years at this age, at this time, um, you know, and my sister's like, I'm this little kid trying to get out and he just blocks us. And so he starts asking questions like, what are your names? And the first thing I did was I lied and, you know, strangers, you don't really do that. And I said, well, my name's so-and-so and this is so-and-so. My friend goes, nah, Nicole, you don't lie to adults and starts. And so he gets really angry and he starts to step forward. And I have my sister on my hip and I'm kind of as much as possible trying to block. And he's like, well, what, what are her eye color? Like things to try and get closer to her. And at that moment, my mom goes, girls, it's time to come home. And she calls from the house and she said that she was home and she saw this vision of my sister crying with blood all over her face. And she shook it off like, why are you thinking that? And then as she kept trying to shake it, she kept getting and getting and getting it. And when she saw the man at the, the window, she didn't want to say our names. So that's why she said girls. And the minute he saw my mom, he jumped in the car and they took off. So your mom uh, is, uh, has psychic abilities as well. Was it all of your family that were intuitive to, mm -hmm. to the spirit world? Yeah. Yeah. I was super, super lucky and that I think that's also partially why I chose my family. So on my mom's side and on my dad's side, I think there were maybe mm, my grandfather, my mom's dad, he wasn't into this, but he put up with it. But my mom's sister, my mom's brother, my grandmother on my mom's side, all highly intuitive. And then on my dad's side, especially my aunts on my dad's side, they they literally see people who have crossed over as in human form. I can't see that. But that's the kind of stuff. Like we would talk about this all the time um, growing have up. Ever, and so have they ever I thought it was normal. What, have they ever told you what the other realm looks like? You know, I've always hear about, you know, what it's it's like to be in the spirit world, but I'm never, I can't yeah, visualize can you explain, it. Yeah. What is it like a dark room? Is it, I don't know. Is it like out of space? You know, when you visualize yourself. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. So I, again, can only talk about my experience as a soul, which I already described at the beginning. Um, my aunts don't do this, like as far as mediumship and stuff, this was, these were things that they would experience and they would block out like, um, I'm done. I don't need to have one. And they would talk about it. But from talking to other mediums and from also asking my spirit team, it depends on what stage we are when we quote unquote cross over. So some souls, they can be stuck and they can get stuck. And the way they've shown me is it's almost kind of like they're walking through like this dark corridor, corridor and they may see certain things and then occasionally they get snippets of us. It's, it's kind of like a you know, they don't see it like they're just standing there and they, they see the room and, and us and everything else. It's like little snippets. Um, so in that case, they're more trapped. There are souls and spirits who, when they're on the other side, they're like, I just don't want to move on. And they're le legit like hanging out with us and experiencing the things that we are. But when we cross over, um, it is literally like that kind of white light. Like we have, there's a whole process. We see our loved ones. We, there are literally angels and other beings that help us with that crossing over process. And when we go over, 
um, there is a life review. At least that's what I've been shown, not because I experienced this recently, but just what I've been shown. And then when we're over on the other side, it's kind of like um, we're just we're like this drop in the ocean and we were a drop when we were here. But when we go back over, we're just connected back into this ocean and we experience all things. There's just this huge. That's why I remember so much and why I believe in, in God and all this is just so much love and so much connection that you don't feel lonely. It's just such a beautiful experience. Now, there are people that believe like, oh, when you go over into heaven, it's like you all have houses and you're next to each other and you're having all this fun. And I haven't seen that. I haven't experienced that. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but um, that's not what spirit has shown me to be. You know what I mean? It's not like the heaven we we actually think it to be. No, because there was that program, wasn't it? I think the good life. Oh, and yeah, they, they were all yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Those houses and it was meant to be heaven. But no, um, my next question is, as we're running out of time, is obviously we want to talk about your podcast. Mm. But before we do, you had quite a, let's just say, mundane career prior to founding a psychic story. I mean, what's the story behind that? <laughs> well, so very quickly is that I, so I'm still in PR and marketing and I've been doing this for about 24 years now. And I about, what is it? Five years ago before the podcast, every night I would go to sleep, I would pray and I would say, I just feel like something's missing. I'm not happy. I don't know why I have all the things, you know, I'm successful in the career and, you know, in my love life and friends and family, what's going on, what's missing. And I just received this intuitive message. You need to start a podcast. And I fully believe that we all, because we have that purpose going back to, I think Victoria was kind of your question about, well, why do we come back here on earth is that we all have a purpose. And mo most often our purpose is to truly live life and to be the best version of ourselves. And in that respect, we're giving back to not just ourselves, but to others. And that's the community. But then there's some that if you feel like you have something else to do, and I felt like I had something else to do when I was missing it. And I had the message, you need to start a podcast. And this was before podcasts were popular the way that they are now. And I did not know the first thing. There weren't you know, tutorials out there. And so I started it, but I got the name and everything I heard. It's a psychic story. You need to interview people about their experiences and the backstory so that others don't feel alone. And that was about six or seven months before the pandemic because there was a sense of urgency in the timing. Like my spirit team was like, you can't just do this later. You got to do it now. And in hindsight and retrospect, looking back, now I know because we were all consuming so much more audio and stuff when we were stuck in our homes and everything else. But through that, it has been such a gift because I have not only myself met so many people in the spiritual community, which is so supportive, but it really is about being able to let people know that there are not only resources, but that you can do it on your own. You don't have to go to someone to connect with your spirit team or your angels. You can truly um, learn about your own intuition if you so choose, whether it's with yourself or others. But that's how the podcast got started. And I have two others. It's um, Supernatural Matters, where I tell supernatural stories and let people decide if it's supernatural or natural, like if it's, you know, if you're a skeptic out there. And then I also did a spinoff with a psychic story for kids. And so I'm going to revisit that next year. And that is primarily so anywhere from, you know, middle school up through your teenage years, if you're looking to find more support on how to harness and tap into your intuition, then you can. So those are the three podcasts. You are spinning some plates there, mate. <laughs> I am. I have a full. I have a full plate in addition to spinning the plates. But yes. Oh Christ! So, what is being a fellow podcaster? I've got to ask your mm -hmm. most interesting podcast to date. Oh, the episodes! Gosh, that is a really great question. I'm usually not stumped with them. I would say that. Honestly, it was when the most interesting one to date was with my grandma because my grandma's in her 90s and she's just this light and she not the one who passed over. Well, although I probably should probably ask my grandma who passed over, maybe she wants to be on a podcast episode, but my living grandmother. And it was more interesting because I learned so many family stories and all of that. So that was something that was really special to me and also that stood out because I learned some things that I wasn't aware of with my family. I was going to ask you when it comes to um, being a psychic, do you feel, you know, you got you, the light that comes with it, but do you also get the dark as well? Um, do you get negative feelings? Um, and do you have negative thoughts through being a psychic or see things that you don't want to see? Demons. 
Yeah. <laughs> like I said, not from that last time because I've learned a lot of different skill sets and resources, but I will say, and I'm sure you guys experience this too. What I, again, I believe you're both very psychic, but even if you're not psychic as a podcaster, you're opening yourself up. You're very public. You are putting, you're airing your dirty laundry out there. And also there's a level of vulnerability when you're a psychic as well, because you're opening yourself up to that. I would say that I'm very protected. I do get information that comes in on occasion. Um, there have been some psychic attacks, which I don't really like to talk about it as much because I try not to focus on like the fear and, and all of that. But it's all been, I truly look at it as a blessing because a the more that I shine, it's not my light. It's the more that I'm open to allowing people to shine their light. It just makes it such a better better, beautiful world. And it's allowed me really to refine my own abilities. I wouldn't have de dove in so deep and learned more on my own personal journey had I not been doing this. And so in that way, it's been such a gift. No. And thank you for joining us this evening, Nicole. So we're going to finish up there thank as you. we're coming up to the it's hour. Amazing. So where can people find you who are watching this? Yeah. So I try to make it easy. Everything is a psychic story. So that's two S's in the center there, a psychic story being possessive. And so, yeah, on the website, a psychic story.com on Instagram, I'm primarily more active there, but I also have Facebook X, which is formerly Twitter and then also TikTok, which I am going to try and get more active on that. And then YouTube next year for sure. But those are all the ways that people can reach me. And then if you're interested in the book, it's lookingforangelsbook.com, but it's easy to get it on any um, of the book platforms, Amazon, it, just pick your own, the country that you're actually in because it is an, it offered in other countries outside the US and then on Barnes and Noble and others. Thank I know, you so and much. It was so interesting. <clears throat> so no, I'll put all the links in the description box below this video anyway. And thank you for joining us for the hour. Now, that if you want to see more content like this, could you please put it in the comment box below? And I'll along put Victoria Tools. What was it? Your Insta Is it your Instagram? Instagram and YouTube, today? yes. Yeah. And where you can YouTube send her Instagram. all thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you can DM her all these wonderful pics. So thanks yes. for joining us this evening. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you.